may be seated. Welcome to Byfield Parish Church on this Communion Sunday. It's also a little weird. Uh, it's weird for it to be November and me be opening windows because it's hot outside, so that's weird. It's also weird that Veterans Day is this coming Friday, so I'm not sure if that meant that we were supposed to acknowledge Veterans Day today or next Sunday. So we're going to be acknowledging that uh, next Sunday. I don't know uh, what the new norm is with that. But just I wanted to make everyone aware. I don't specifically remember much of what I learned in elementary school. This is a disappointment to my wife uh, because she's an elementary school teacher, not because she feels like I don't know stuff I should, although I'm sure that is true as well. Uh, I remember different teachers. I remember bits and pieces of what happened on the playground and at the bus stop. I can recall playing chase and using the computers in my fifth grade classroom to play Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail, anybody? It was amazing. Uh, I shot way more than I could eat, I remember that. Um, I know I learned a lot of important stuff in elementary school, you know, basic math, how to read, but I, don't, I just don't remember much of it specifically. One of the few lessons I do specifically remember was focused on smoking. At the time, smoking cigarettes was a common activity. You don't really see it as much anymore. It's kind of a novelty when I see people smoking. I'm like, oh really? Wow, okay, okay, didn't expect that. But my family, we would go to Ryan's Steakhouse after church every Sunday. It was this buffet-style steakhouse. And the first question they asked you when you went into Ryan's was, smoking or not? And my family would say non-smoking, and then they would seat us at a table, and apparently the, the dividing line between the sections would be like right there, because the next table over, I mean, they would just be going at it, so it made absolutely no difference. But uh, my school wanted to prevent us from being in that smoking section as adults, so we sang a song that proclaimed we were going to be smoke-free. The teachers talked to us about the cost of smoking. But what I really remember from those anti-smoking lessons is they had these pictures. And the pictures were of the blackened and cancerous lungs of people that had smoked for many years. So they would show us these pictures to try to scare us as you know, fourth or fifth graders out of smoking. They were supposed to be a warning for us. In today's text, Paul is trying to warn the Corinthians in an effort to prevent self-destructive behavior, much like my teachers tried to warn me about smoking. He is doing so because he is concerned for the Corinthians. He wants them to avoid the mistakes and regrets of those that came before them. Let's turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read verses 6 through 13 to read the warning that Paul gives. If you're using the Pew Bible, that can be found on page 900. And those verses will also be projected behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them did. Do not, 
as it is written, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. If my kids came home from school this week, and they told me they had a lesson on not smoking cigarettes, I would honestly be slightly confused. This is a message we still need to pass on to kids. It seems like we have moved past cigarettes. Now the concern is vaping or other drugs. Some people might read today's text from 1 Corinthians and arrive at the same conclusion. Do we really have to be told not to desire evil, as Paul told the Corinthians? Isn't that obvious? It was not obvious to them, and it is not obvious to us either. These verses are a good warning for us to process, just as they were for the Corinthians. Evil and sin have not been eradicated. We need to take heed lest we fall just like they did, or we will end up like the Israelites in the desert. God is faithful. We must endure. Paul says, don't desire evil. Don't desire evil. That seems like a pretty straightforward command. Turns out not desiring evil evil is more difficult in practice than it should be. Nobody sets out to be evil. The Israelites in the desert who are highlighted as an example certainly didn't. Unfortunately, their lack of desire to be evil alone didn't keep their evil desires in check. The seemingly small evils they desired added up to big evils. Although from their perspective, what they wanted was not even small evils. They thought that what they wanted was good. They messed up repeatedly in significant ways as a result of their desires. Paul lists three specific times where the Israelites are judged for evil. They committed sexual immorality. They grumbled and they put Christ to the test. These three events were not isolated occurrences. 
Today's text doesn't mention when the Israelites refused to enter the promised land. The greed and the rebellion that led to losses in battle are not listed. The Israelites' grumbling was not a one-time occurrence. It was a theme. When we go back and read the Exodus story, we are inundated with the Israelites' desire for evil on page after page. They resist God at every turn. You want to cheer for them? You want to pull for them? But they are such an unlikable group of people. The Israelites are their own worst enemies. It would be incorrect to think of the Israelites as uniquely corrupt. In them, the Corinthians are supposed to see themselves. Similarities do exist between the Israelites and the Corinthians. Both groups were involved in idol worship and sexual immorality. There is grumbling going on in Corinth, just as happened within the nation of Israel. The shared struggles of the Corinthians and the Israelites are not surprising. The evil desires shared by both groups are evil desires that are common for all people. Those in the Corinthian church are similar to the Israelites by virtue of being a community of humans attempting to be in a relationship with God. The struggles of the Israelites are struggles that are universal. The warning of these verses applies just as much to us today. Evil desires have not ceased to exist in human hearts. Humanity has conquered much of what has wreaked havoc and destruction over the years. Many diseases have been cured. We are capable of growing enough food to feed the world. Technology exists that can translate one language into another in seconds. Our modern capabilities would have been unfathomable to the Corinthians and especially to the Israelites. Despite all this, evil desires still infect every human effort. You don't have to look thousands of years into the past to see evil desires at work. Anytime people come together to accomplish a goal, Evil exerts an effect even when the stated goal is to avoid evil. From its inception in the early 2000s until sometime in 2018, Google's company motto was, Don't be evil. Don't be evil. While don't be evil is a really good motto, it is more difficult to practice when billions of dollars are on the line. Google owns YouTube, a website that has facilitated the spread of innumerable lies. YouTube is also one of Google's biggest moneymakers. 
So what do you do if you're Google? You take the money. We need to take heed of the warning included in these verses. We prefer to think about evil desires as something that is out there in the world. You know what I could do? What I could do today, right now, if my desire was to have you folks come up to me after the service and say, great job, Pastor. Great job. Really appreciated the message. What I would do is I would just spend the next five minutes railing about evil in the world. Maybe, maybe we could even put it on YouTube and I could go viral and it would be amazing. Paul doesn't focus on the broader Corinthian culture. He focuses on the people that make up the church. Paul writes, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. We must not put Christ to the test. These things were written down for our instruction, for our instruction. Evil desires are not just an out there problem. They are an in here problem. They are an in here problem. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Whenever a therefore is in the Bible, the point being made is built on what preceded. The universal effect of evil desires we've already discussed means that a person who thinks that they stand alone, like some sort of colossus, is fooling themselves. The Corinthians believed evil desires were not something they struggled with. They also believed that they had the capacity to recognize and resist any evil desires they felt. They underestimated the prevalence of evil desires. They overestimated themselves. By not acknowledging the extent of their evil desires and their susceptibility to them, they were putting themselves in a vulnerable situation. They were exhibiting a twofold arrogance. The likelihood of failing was quite high. When their hubris did result in failure, the Corinthians had a built-in excuse. I'm not sure if Paul had actually heard them use this excuse, or if God just gave him the intellect to know it was coming, but he addresses it anyway in the first part of verse 13. There, Paul writes, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Paul is heading off the Corinthians, claiming that a particular sin was a product of extraordinary circumstances. Temptation is like the sun. Sin is like a sunburn. If preventative measures are not taken, you are going to get sunburned. And you are going to sin. Nobody has any basis for acting surprised by either. You can't go out to the beach in mid-July and not cover yourself and get horrifically sunburned and come back and go, can you believe this? Who could have seen this coming? Everybody could have seen this coming. 
It is also incorrect to think of temptation as being this extraordinary occurrence. The susceptibility of every person to the combination of evil desires and temptations means every Christian's we need to take heed lest we fall into sin. Falling should be taken extremely seriously. At a minimum, falling down, it's just embarrassing, right? A few weeks ago, I had the best version of falling myself. I was, I was in my house and I fell up the stairs. I know that I'm the only one in this room that's ever fallen up the stairs, but bear with me. I fell up the stairs, and I thought, did anybody see that? And I was like, nobody saw that. And then I hear Anne say, what was that noise? And I was like, I just fell up the stairs. Sidebar, Anne is not a cool person to fall around. She will laugh at you, so just be aware. Be aware of that. Thankfully, I was uninjured. Often, the results of falling are some sort of injury. The worst fall I ever had was in my 20s. I was over at a friend's house and he had this contraption. It was a wooden cylinder and you put a board on top of it and you try to balance on the board. This is stupid, don't try it. And so I tried it and sure enough, the board shot out and I fell and I landed on my arm and then my arm was broken, right? And that's what happens when we fall. Sometimes it's not that bad, but other times we end up severely injured. Spiritual falls should be taken even more seriously than physical ones. Consequences result from spiritual falls. In the verses today, some of the results of the Israelites' falls are listed. They experience destruction as a result. The consequences the Israelites experienced were a product of God's discipline. The purpose of God's judgment is not to kick a person while they are down. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. God disciplines by allowing us to experience the consequences of our sin. He does so in the hopes we will take sin more seriously in the future. The more we fail to learn from the consequences of our sin the more those consequences escalate. Falling due to sin should help us to see ourselves more clearly. It, It strips away our pride. It should cause us to take heed in the future, both of sin's destructive impact and our own susceptibility to it. God's desire is that we never fall in the first place. He gives us the means we need to avoid falling in two ways. First, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. The Lord knows what each of us are capable of. We all have different strengths. We all have different weaknesses as well. This doesn't mean that God will keep us out of all challenging situations. God knows that we are capable of more than we know ourselves. And he will allow us to be in situations that stretch us. It is through being challenged that we mature as people. The second way God gives us to avoid falling is he will also provide the way of escape. 
Temptation is everywhere. And we cannot completely escape from our evil desires, but certain situations are more difficult than others. God gives us a way out. We are not prisoners. Or maybe a better way to say it is God gives us a way of escape from our imprisonment. These verses in no way imply that escalating, I'm sorry, the escape from temptation will be easy. The cost may be high. I've known people that have had to leave profitable jobs. Stop hanging out with certain friends and sacrifice in other ways to avoid temptation. God provides a way for us. We still have to take it. We are active participants in God's purposes for us. Notice this passage doesn't say we won't have to deal with temptation or that God will make the effort for us. Think back to the Israelites moving through the wilderness. God continued to provide for them. They still had to take advantage of God's provision for them. A specific situation that the Corinthians are dealing with is that they are being invited to pagan temples for parties with friends and family. These parties include sexual immorality. The way out God provided may have simply been not going to these parties. But not going would have resulted in social exclusion. God makes it possible that you may be able to endure temptation. This week, every one of us will deal with some level of temptation in our lives. Maybe something small like installing an app or going to a website that we know is a portal for temptation. Probably won't feel small at the moment. God will not allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. He will provide a way out if needed. The knowledge God is with you will help you to endure You still have to endure. By enduring in grace, our own evil desires are eradicated. Instead of us being the source of the problem, God's mercy allows us to become participants in the solution to our own problem. The purpose of showing elementary schoolers diseased lungs when I was a kid was the prevention of smoking that would lead to those outcomes. In these verses, Paul is trying to prevent the Corinthians from experiencing the consequences of evil by showing them, by holding a picture up to them of what the results of sin are. Paul's warning was important for the Corinthians, and it's important for us as well. If we desire evil, if you participate in sin, the consequences will be bad. We need to be aware, we need to take heed lest we fall. Temptation is common in life. Whether or not we choose to act on the temptation matters. It will have a huge effect on the remainder of what our lives look like. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. We should not be ignorant. We should be aware of our own tendency to embrace the sin that will demolish our lives. Thankfully, mercifully, we have not been left to our own devices. We are not victims. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I don't know the trials that different people in this room today face and the trials that those watching online might face, Lord. But I do know that walking away from temptation, that escaping from temptation, is often not easy. It is often a challenge. So I pray that you would be with everyone in this room. And that you would be glorified and that you would be with us and just continue to come alongside us as we live our lives. That we would flee temptation and that we would look to you and that we would look to Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior in all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.